0: This episode is recorded on Jar Jar Warung country and we want to pay our respects to the original creatives of this land and their elders past, present and future.
1: Hello and welcome to Country Creatives Podcast. My name is Amy and I produce the show for Reese and Caleb. They'll be joining you shortly in a really special podcast that was recorded just a couple of weeks ago in front of a live studio audience at Emporium Creative Hub. Caleb and Reese were joined in this episode by two incredible women, Jessamy G and Alice Edie, who together present the weekly podcast Imposter Syndrome Club. It's a fantastic conversation that really tries to unpack and uncover the positive and the negative things behind creative identity and imposter syndromes, and really seeks to find healthy ways to thrive in your creative career without letting this negative voice get the best of you. So I'm going to throw to this awesome foursome. I really hope you enjoy the show
0: reading our own bios, that's what we're going to do to kick this off so that you can get a bit of an idea of who is sitting at this table.
2: For context, it is a brutal tradition that (laughs) Jessamy and I started on our podcast. We get all our guests to do it and it is always awkward. It is always cringy. And we never have to do it. Yeah. yeah, this
3: yeah. is a real dick move. <laughs> <laughs> and with an audience, taste
4: with of our own, own medicine. I <laughs> so you, you, you <laughs> want to you guys start.
3: <laughs> and Reese, all right, I'll rip off the bandaid because, and you're right, it is pretty cringy. This is straight off the Nacho Station website. Alright. This is what's out there publicly. <laughs> Besides having a magnetic personality, Reese is a qualified graphic <laughs> designer with a passion for all things creative. Reese was fascinated by street art from a young age and decided early on he wanted to draw for a living. While studying graphic design at La Trobe University, he discovered the joy and power of collaboration through founding his own magazine, where he worked with over 30 artists, photographers, and illustrators. Following his studies, <laughs> Reese worked for a number of, I'm gonna skip through a little bit, a bit of yeah. career stuff. Yeah. Ooh, is that allowed? It's, it's cheating. But yeah. but is it cheating? Oh, allow. It. We'll allow it. It's all a very long, <laughs> <laughs> long oh no, I yeah. By 2019, the side hustle, being Nacho Station, became a full on hustle, which is when Reese took the plunge and in his own words, went full-time nacho. (laughs) Ever since, Reese has made good progress in his quest to make Bendigo a street art hotspot and he's now turning his attention to towns around central Victoria and hasn't ruled out taking the world after that. Ultimately, however, what gets him up in the morning is seeing how collaborative creative projects can engage, uplift and reinvigorate communities. Woo! very nice. How did you feel reading that? I should have summarised a little bit. I feel like it dragged on a little bit. Oh, no, no. that's you in your own head. Yeah. 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 No one else is thinking that. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's, it's new
2: information for us, so it yeah. doesn't feel long at yeah. all. That's fascinating. That's so I have so many questions. <laughs> it's really interesting as well, that feeling, which is very
4: common. It would seem for people, like, for you, that feels like, you're like oh, my God, I've been speaking for 15 minutes. Shut like, sure, up, we don't care, we don't care. But from the outside, no, this is just a list of really interesting
2: things about you.
3: Yeah, true. Yeah. What right. was
2: the name of the magazine, by the way?
3: Flair Magazine. There's actually someone in the room who was a part of that as well, Pat up the back oh, here, oh, graphic designer. Amazing. And writer, I think, did a few things in there. Awesome. So Very Yeah, that cool. was like a post-university project, which is pretty cool.
0: Very oh. cool. We're going to go one for one, so one of you guys to go next.
4: Okay,
2: I'll go next. Great. <sighs> <laughs> You've got
4: this. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I feel like the first line, like with your magnetic personality is always like the cringiest. Okay, here we go. Jessamy G is a creative force in the visual communication world. As the director of creative agency Think in Colour, she's all about turning big ideas into things of beauty. Since launching Think in Colour in 2011, Jessamy has become internationally renowned for her work, servicing a diverse range of clients all around Australia, New Zealand, Asia, Europe and the USA across the corporate, community, education and government Sectors. In addition to her professional work, Jessamy is also actively involved in the creative community, founding Graphic Recorders Australia in 2019, becoming the first Australian director to serve on the board of the International Forum of Visual Practitioners in 2020, taking over the role of chapter host for Creative Mornings Melbourne in 2021, and in 2022, launched the Imposter Syndrome Club podcast with co host Alice Eady. In short, your girl's been busy, and she likes
2: to
1: talk.
0: Hey, that was great, I <laughs> love oh, that. Cool How oh, Very cool. <laughs> oh man, that is fascinating. How are we sitting at this table with <laughs> Jesse and I don't know. But, <laughs> welcome. I'm like, welcome. it's all lines, <laughs> it's
4: smoke and mirrors, it's smoke and mirrors.
0: <laughs> That's so good. All right, I'll go. Over to you. Psych <laughs> myself up. All right. Caleb Maxwell is the co-founder and creative director of Hebron Films, a video production company that helps regional businesses perform on the world stage by creating strategic online video content. He and the Hebron Film Hebron team work directly with businesses as their go-to video communication expert. As a creative entrepreneur, Caleb spends his time building commercial endeavours that strengthen regional creative industries and increase opportunities for creative practitioners. Caleb's love for community has led him to serve in many different organisations, including the Army Reserves, national charities, and local community organisations. He is a member of local advisory groups for the City of Greater Bendigo's Creative Industry Strategy. And also the Emporium Creative Hub, where Hebron Films operates from. Caleb is the co host of Country Creatives, a podcast that helps regional creatives thrive in the commercialization of their creative practice. Nice.
2: <laughs> How did it feel reading it out loud? Uh, yeah,
0: you have the urge to read it really quickly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, no, not
0: too bad. Not too
4: bad. Just a quick sidebar before we throw you into the deep end for the <laughs> final one, Alice. Did you guys both write your own bios?
3: No, I had a copywriter. No. I, I did actually I write mine. My-
4: yeah, it's, yeah, it's just an interesting did thing. You- this most recent iteration was actually a collaboration between myself and ChatGPT.
2: Ah, yes! <laughs> Who, um, creative force was that? That was ChatGPT. <laughs> I was like, thanks, mate. These
4: robots are not so bad. Which is an interesting experience because I think so often the, like, extreme awkwardness of writing about yourself in the third person anyway but also the thing of looking at a blank page and being like, where do I start? So that where it ended was quite far from what ChatGPT spat
2: out, but it yeah. was nice to have that, it, like to take the ick away from starting the Starting Just point. me as a creative huh? one. So, yeah. yeah. cool. And you're not starting from a, that, yeah, like you said, the blank page, which is terrifying. Yes. Yeah, terrifying. exactly. yeah. Okay, can I just preface this Mm. though? (laughs) We'll allow it. So I have two bios, and as I realized reading this one this morning, this is like more than two years old, which in and of itself tells you so much about where I'm at. So I have my professional one, which is Jess, me and I do the same job, the live illustration, and then this is, the one I'm gonna read is for my art practice. So, buckle up for some okay. very wanky art talk. I'm ready. <laughs> it's coming, I'm ready. it's coming. So, Alice Edie is an artist, calligrapher, and typographer living in Melbourne, Australia. Alice is interested in exploring the verbal visual thresholds of the sign via mark making, both analog and digital. Currently pursuing a Master's of Fine Art at VCA, Alice also has a Master's degree in English Literature from the University of Cape Town and an undergraduate degree in fine arts from the University of Johannesburg. Born and raised in Johannesburg, Alice is shown in South Africa at the Kalashnikov Gallery at its Salon 91, as well as the Nyrox Sculpture Park in Maropeng. As part of a one month artist residency at Nyrox, she hosted a series of artist talks at the Words Arts and Literary Festival in 2016. Since moving to Australia in 2017, Alice has presented at conferences and workshops, including COVA at the University of Melbourne, and TDK, the Design Kids How We Work panel and lecturing at General Assembly. Alice will be the keynote speaker at Creative Mornings in Melbourne in September 2021. (laughs) (laughs) In conjunction with her fine arts practice, Alice has worked as a freelance illustrator since 2010. She specializes in graphic recording or scribing, a form of live drawing that facilitates rich conversation within groups. She has collaborated across a wide variety of industries, including technology, education, and the public sector. Alice works from her studio on Johnston Street in Abbotsford, which I have not worked there in two years. (laughs) 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 And uh, just like a side note, the talk that I refer to in the Future Tense, the Future Tense Creative Mornings talk was called The Imposter Syndrome. It's hosted by Jessamy and that's where the whole idea for our podcast began. Wow, that's
0: pretty special then. (laughs) The origin story. It's the origin
2: story, but through this time capsule of a bio.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I feel like we should have two flip boards, like up next to each of you. You (laughs) Put us to work. (laughs) (laughs) work? How much money you got. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fascinated at this practice. I have seen people do it in presentations before, but you guys must be superstars.
4: It's really interesting work. So graphic recording, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's essentially like creating infographics in real time. So we work a lot at conferences and workshops where we're listening and taking a combination of pictures and words and creating these sort of real-time graphics, which is like the coolest part about it is you get to be a little fly on the wall in all these different industries. But speaking of experiencing imposter syndrome, particularly early on, it's this really interesting odd balance of things because we're like the dumb creators right we're like i don't know what you do with money <laughs> and then we're put into this like the most corporate of corporate worlds and at least for like the first few years of yeah. speaking for both of us here but i know that it's been a common experience you don't know where you sit in that because you're being hired as a creative but you're also working in this very corporate world and you don't quite yet have the kind of confidence to show up so i used to like wear like my 50 dollars kmart suit is this what you want (laughs) corporate world is this what you want me to be and then it's been quite a journey to discover that actually all of those more like rough interesting bits of you you're not going to succeed in that world in spite of them you're going to succeed there because of them yeah
3: that's so good yeah do you find that like all these non-creative people in the room are like probably like, oh my god how do you even do that and they're like praising your work because they're completely not creative as well
4: yeah you say you guys must be rock stars you do get to feel a little bit like a
2: rock star because there's the the comparison you're not being compared to any to anyone. Well, yeah <laughs> i suppose like to that point as well the first thing is even just Describing, I'm like, they are creative. They are creative. And I think that's (laughs) often what the conversation is is like, realizing how much people self-define in that way. It's strange. Like, we are paid to come into that space and be the creative force. And I'm like, but everyone is here too. There's like Mm -hmm. people solving problems creatively on, on a kind of daily basis. And sometimes it's our job to just remind people of that as well. But also something... To your point, Jess, about feeling like an imposter in these corporate spaces, if you come out of art school, like there was a stage both of us have had dreadlocks. Now you're walking into these big, tall, shiny buildings in the city going up to the 25th floor. And I'm like, I don't even know what a KPI is. I don't know what any of the language they're using is. So so we'd both separately be wearing these like suits or you're trying to fit in to feel like less of an imposter. But over time, realizing that it's that point of difference that they are paying for. There's a thousand people in suits in that building there's only one person in a full leopard print onesie and that that's part of it like sometimes being the imposter can be a strength
0: the value yeah and that uh that kind of leads us perfectly into my burning question for the audience we when thinking about how we were going to structure this conversation because we are for people that can talk for an endless amount of time and we only have an hour in here so we're thinking how do we structure this so we inject the most value and give opportunity for the audience to ask us some questions and give their input so we came up with a burning question each and except you, I don't know yeah. where yours is. <laughs> wow! <Whoa. laughs> Someone <laughs>
2: didn't under do their the bus, <laughs>
0: fully thrown
2: under the bus.
0: <laughs> but true,
3: three's more it than my, enough. It was my idea to come up with it. Ah, <laughs> oh, <H2>. so that's <laughs> your yeah, contribution. I and then mean,
2: Reese just dropped the mic after <laughs> <and that's it laughs>
3: that. You got to do the work. I love
0: that, but. And the other thing I wanted to explain before we crack into my burning question, selfishly, I'm going to throw that out first because it's just a great segue from your last talking point, is there's a little bell on the table for people who are listening audio only, and it sounds like this. That may be the only time you hear it, but the purpose is to see if we can keep each other on track (laughs) and get to audience questions because I'm super keen for that. All right. Explanation's over. Time for burning question number one. To what level should the things that we do define us or be a major part of our personal identity and why? Deep
3: question. Let it sink in for a second. I think it's like inevitable as a creative, and I'm sure everyone maybe agrees that what they do and what they produce feels like a part of them. And I recently have gone from, fully absorbed in being a full-time nacho into (laughs) being one day a week as a nacho slash after works and there was a massive time period of readjusting to that and being like, oh shit, I'm not what what I do anymore. Refiguring that out. So I'd love to hear other opinions on how to balance that and what other people's experiences are with becoming what they do or it just becomes, feels like that's who you are.
4: Yeah. I think it's, identity in general is such a big complex meaty subject right and i think you're right like you can't help but separate you can't really separate yourself from your work in many ways as a creative person and also there's an element of clubs and cliques and everyone wants to belong to something and that's useful until it's not and if your entire the entire weight of your identity is wrapped up in being a something that at some point becomes unuseful because it stops you from being a something else and something that's come up a lot in our conversations (coughs) with each other and also guests on the podcast not even just to do with work but it's if you grew up being the arty girl then you you feel like you're not allowed to be the sporty girl or if you grew up being the this so I think the The most useful way we can view it is to try and take the pieces of things that really resonate with us and be like, what is it about being a filmmaker or a street artist or an illustrator that I really love rather than being wrapped up in being the thing? Mm. It's like I love communication, I love making people happy, I love connecting people with each other because that then becomes a transferable part of your identity. It's
0: deeper, right? That's yeah. a more core thing that can be, as you say, transferred to a lot of different hows. It's like a, it's a what. What do you do can, yeah. rather than exactly how you do that, is often the, I'm a filmmaker. No, I'm a communication expert and I love connecting people and communicating with people. And that can be in heaps of different forms. Yeah. The reason that it, this question triggered, you triggered me, Alice, was because I often hear the line from people making a distinction between them being creative or not creative. And I believe that every person is created to be creative. And, and it just looks different in a lot of different areas. But people have uh, put creativity in a box and said it has to be flamboyant or it has to be artistic. Or it has to be something like that. I had a situation that was a bit of a pivotal turning point for me where I moved from seeing myself as a filmmaker and my identity as being a filmmaker into one of being an entrepreneur and a business person because that was a real challenge when I started Hebron Films with my mate Levi. We set out to make beautiful-looking videos and quickly realised that we needed to understand business if we wanted to continue making beautiful-looking videos. And there was a point where I had a conversation with my bookkeeper and she said, boys, you're going to have to lean into the science of business and learn how to be business people really well and i was like no i can't do that i'm a filmmaker (laughs) what if i become a business leader then who am i because i'm a filmmaker and that kind of kick started a bit of a journey of me going back to a deeper who am i what do i bring to this world that no one else can bring because there, every single person has that right They're unique in a way that no one else is like them. So what do I bring to this world? And it doesn't need to be in the form of a filmmaker or a business person. It gets to be what I define it to be, how I contribute to the world.
2: Yeah, I I love that. And building on that and what you both mentioned as well before, I think... For me, there's always that tension. right? Like Boundaries are helpful things in that they can contain and support us, but it's knowing the difference. It's like, when is this scaffolding? When is this a skeleton that's giving your body shape and enabling you? Or when is this something that's chaining you down? And I know for me, it's been a long process of ever since I was a centimeter tall. I was like, I'm an artist. That's it. Full stop. Next question. I have never questioned that. And Getting to a point, in, and I had illustration on the side, I finished uni, people paid me to draw, that was cool, but that was always a side project to, to the idea of being able to work as an artist and make art. And getting into my 30s and realizing that, like, you can sometimes be holding on to one idea of you and your success and your meaning and whatever. And it's if you're holding on to that so tightly, you're missing all of the other potential around you because at some point, that means that the adult version of you is constrained to a story that was written by a child. A kid has such simplified versions of reality, it's like, that's you're doing the best you can at that stage, but if I'm still living by what I thought success would be when I was nine, then I'm probably missing out on quite a lot of other options So like having lots of lollies for breakfast (laughs) (laughs) I can stay up as late as I want and I think these things often sound really simple and reflection because we package them up as a neat story but it's been messy I've spent the kind of last part of my late 20s and early 30s like in this slow and messy separation from this idea of Alice as artist and making a more nuanced picture of yep I have my arts practice. I have my commercial illustration practice. I've recently been getting into tattooing. Like all of these things feed into each other. They support each other and that's okay. That doesn't mean failure. Actually, what the original failure was like an overly simplistic definition.
0: And so how have you landed? One thing that's really challenging in this area and I think what brings such clear defined boxes that people feel comfortable in saying is you're meeting someone for the first time and they go, what do you do? I wanna get to know you. You want to just be able to say, I'm a filmmaker, I'm an artist, I'm a
3: this, I'm a that. Imagine if you just read the bio each time. <laughs> <laughs> just, one just one second.
0: I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> How do you communicate? Like, where have you landed, Alice, in that messy process of defining yourself and describing yourself?
2: you know so now I say artist which has taken me years and when I was younger I thought that was so pretentious and so cringy and this feeds in actually to that identity piece as well of for me it's when I'm doing the work when my hands are doing the thing I feel very safe inside that so someone might dream of being a writer and they don't want to say that because they're not doing the writing but I think the second you're doing the thing every day you earn that so now I'm just like artist is a good catch-all and then depending on where the conversation goes from them we can break down what version of that yeah what do you guys say depends on the audience and
4: how much (laughs) I can be bothered going (laughs) (laughs) into usually my go-to would be Illustrator, so it's similar to how I would have explained it today. Essentially, I'm an illustrator, but most of what I do is called graphic recording. It's live illustration conferences and workshops. I'm yet to get to. Alice and I made a joke that we should make caps that say "Ask me about my podcast." <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> we'll
4: make some for you. Thank you.
2: But I'm going to say, you "Ask way. you about our podcast." <laughs> oh yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> 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 But even though we're a year in, we're about to have our first birthday celebration for the podcast, I still feel very much like an imposter in that world of things where it's probably this is where my heart is at the moment actually when I talk about where ideally if I could just do podcasts 100% of the time, I'd be happy never to draw another picture again. To be wow. perfectly honest, that's the thing that's setting my heart on fire at the moment. Mm. Just the opportunity to have interesting reflective conversations with a whole range of super awesome people is so great. But uh, I can't I don't really identify as podcaster yet. Yep. haven't
3: quite gotten there mm. what about you guys I was thinking about how we all juggle so many different aspects of creativity on the daily or in a week how many different projects we take on you guys are very similar in you've got a podcast as a bit of a side hustle and your creative practice and your the money making practice so there's three that I can pick up on I know you're involved in a bunch of community stuff and creative communities and I've got four or five different fingers in pies and It gets hard to identify which one you identify with closely. and It probably depends on who you're talking to as to which one you might divulge into a little bit more. But it was something that we had discussed a little Mm. bit prior to meeting up today was like how we juggle all those different elements and how to figure out what it is that you want to focus on and how to navigate all of those different aspects of being a creative or an imposter in certain aspects. Yeah, that this is one thing that I'm still
0: searching for some good answers on to be honest because all of us only have so much time and we only have so much energy and I'm approaching or past hitting a ceiling on how many things I can be involved in, but there's still so many that I want to be. So like, how do you choose which one that you you say yes to and then how do you protect that yes? by saying no to some other great opportunities.
4: If you find out, let me know.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, Maybe awesome. someone in the audience has an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. yeah. Have you solved
4: my life problems? <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, like, you, when you get used to trialling and failing at a, a bunch of things and you throw out a bunch of seeds, but then sometimes all those seeds germinate at the same time, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I cared equally about all these things and then to have to choose, and I think it's tricky, and I know that I'm definitely someone who is seduced by the new and shiny, like I will get renewed energy for a new project, a new thing, and then trying to work out, is this where I should be placing my energy because this is where I want to move to or where I actually want to be right now? Or is it just this seduction of newness? And it's very hard to tell the difference, right? Because the feeling inside your body is the same. I don't know. Alice, solutions?
2: (laughs) It's such a great question. I don't know. This is very much like a question that's on my mind constantly at the moment. So I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. The way that I'm trying to do it is I imagine a five-day work week which is like an easy kind of pie with slices, each of those slices 20% of your time. And then I'm trying to find like a balance where ideally three of those are on something that I know has to make me money and rent. And then the, the other two days, one is on creative development. So stuff that might not have a financial return on investment immediately, but is long-term gonna make me better at my craft. and. I'll be able to raise my rates accordingly. And then that fifth kind of piece of the pie is like just expression and fucking around. And I might add, I, I do think that ultimately does have long-term value, but I also reserve the right for that. Not That doesn't have to be, we don't have to make everything fit into capitalism and something doesn't have to be deserving of your time just because someone pays you for it as well. Yep. That in my mind is like the goal of where I'd like lo- if life was structured well like maybe that's, that, it's what do you, I don't know. That's really
0: cool yeah I love that. If you can fit in what what you can do or need to do to make money in three days and that can cover yeah, really. what you do that's that's great and then the, there's two other elements to the other two. One, one you need to have enough creative reserves as a creative if you're doing the creative thing for the, those three days you have to be putting in what you are as much as you're giving out because that as we all know and we've probably all experienced it that leads to burnout is when you are giving more than you are putting in so the learning and development day it could be some of that but that that last day where you're actually just expressing and doing based on what you feel or you want or you're chasing rabbits down holes and that i found that personally helps me create balance because it's not necessarily for me as as the amount of things that I'm doing, but the energy I have to do those things and the fulfillment that I get from them. I experienced some mad burnout in about 2018 because I had just been on this hustle bandwagon in the business that I'd started in 2013, and I just didn't have anything left to give. I was giving 24-7 almost, dreaming about what I needed to do in business and getting home after work and just doing more business stuff. And yeah, I just got to the point where I had nothing left. And I'd sit at my desk, literally doing nothing, not even scrolling on social media, like just I'd sit at my desk and I'd be just sitting there. And then I'd go next door and get a coffee and talk to the barista and then come back and work out how to plug my Xbox into one of the video monitors. <laughs>
2: it's a scary place to it be. Was full yeah, on. Yeah. It's it, was, it was scary. In it was
0: scary. But the thing that that helped me start to change that around was I set aside half a day a week to just write because it's on my heart and I believe part of my destiny and where I'm going, my vision to create feature films. And so I've got a concept for a particular one that I've had since I was 14. And I'd never done anything with it. It had just been part of my story was saying, I'll do this in the future. And I think that's a pretty common, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, it's a pretty common thing where you go, I've got dreams, but they're always in the future. I'll always do that later on. And so I just brought later on a bit closer and started writing for half a day, or really it started with 10 minutes. And then I suppose you might call it meditation, quiet time, thinking time, reading, and then just a bit of creative output. I'm not a writer. But I started writing and that was really helpful to create a bit of balance. But at the moment, I look at things in if I was gonna tackle that, the question of how do you balance and how do you choose, I've got the foundation of family. I've got a young family now which is phenomenal and they are like my foundation. If my relationship isn't good, I'm very relationally led. If I don't have a good connection with my wife and, Feel like, I'm supporting my family and by spending some time with them, then that's the foundation. If that's not right, everything else is out the window, it doesn't matter what happens. Oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, go on, do it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: so, I build it on foundation, on layers. I'll stop it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, that was a really grand explanation, though. <laughs> really appreciate it can talk a lot <laughs>
4: that's why we're here yeah but i just i wanted to if i'm
1: allowed <laughs> okay. the bell. Right, and mother-
4: just, just a couple of things that i think are really interesting from what you said caleb around the sort of inputs and outputs and not only with like rest and work but one of the things that we talk to people about a lot is the idea of having a day job and there can be some sort of like Shame around that for people sometimes. I think, oh, if I'm an artist and I'm still working as a barista or, or have an office job or whatever, there's some sort of, yeah, internalised shame or embarrassment that like, I'm not a real artist then. But actually the having the inputs of life, of meeting people, making connections, doing stuff, you need that for the outputs of, Art making. So if it's just you in a studio with a paintbrush 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can draw, you can paint you in a studio with a paintbrush. You know what I mean? There's no more creative inputs happening. And I thought that was a really nice thing to discover that it's not just the comfort of knowing you've got a steady income while you're building your arts practice or your creative business or whatever it is. There's actual value in that for you as a creative person beyond just the safety net of money. And I think if you viewing it in that way as a creative input to your life as well as the stability of money is useful.
3: I've had that exact experience late last year, splitting myself away from being self-employed for the seven days a week to doing it a couple of days a week and the energy that I got from just going and doing someone else's job and like yeah. being good at something else and then the energy to work on the creative stuff just flooded back in almost instantly damn why couldn't that why couldn't I just generate that on my own but financial was one of the big reasons like not having to like make sure the invoices are all sent and do all the admin and I think also the interactions and learning new skills and venturing into a different industry were all like super valuable for building up that energy to do what I was doing
4: yeah. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get out of a situation, whether it's meeting a person or learning a new skill or learning what you really don't want to do. <laughs> like yeah. I need to turn this other thing up so I never have to do that again. <laughs> it's Whatever still
0: it a valuable experience. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we've got two amazing burning questions here. Alice, you asked, what is the opposite of imposter syndrome and when do you feel it? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Cool. What's the opposite Can... of imposter syndrome? When do you feel it?
2: Can I have a go? Oh my God, please have a go. And can I just add, (laughs) I typed that question and was like, you know how if you write the question, like you should have an idea of the answer. I was like, I have no idea. I'm outsourcing this. so. So I've been thinking
4: about this. I think firstly what it's not, so the opposite of imposter syndrome is not arrogance and I think people can make that mistake sometimes especially in Australia and especially for women that there is an expectation that you should show up and diminish yourself immediately and that's like neutral which I think is something that that needs to change so it's not arrogance. I also don't think it's even self-confidence. I think it's self-awareness maybe is the opposite of imposter syndrome because it's knowing where you are on a timeline. So I think sometimes imposter syndrome can be mistaken as a few things because maybe you're not an imposter, maybe you're just at the start. Maybe you're just a learner. Maybe you're just unqualified as well. That's a really dangerous one. Like you don't walk into do brain surgery as an illustrator and go, I just need to have more confidence in myself, you know? But, But I think knowing where you are, which is also means knowing when you are qualified, Yes, I do have that, those many years experiences, all of my tapestry of experience does qualify me to show up as an artist, as a podcast host, as whatever that thing might be. So I think the opposite of imposter syndrome, maybe, is self-awareness. And I think you feel it when you feel like you're showing up in a place as your whole self.
0: I can't fault that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Honestly, I also think there's like a healthy level of imposter syndrome as well. Like when you recognise you're not the best of the best at it mm. and you still recognise that there's learning to be done in a certain field, there's a, there's a healthy level of that and then there's probably it reaches into being unhealthy and a detriment to your own mm. progress. Could you call it humility? Yeah, potentially. And it's mm. maybe self-awareness comes into it too, right? Yeah. You're like, look, I'm yeah, I'm not bad at this, but I'm not good either. I'm somewhere in between and... I don't know how to define when that's imposter syndrome versus being self-aware either. One good thing about there being so many different
0: people in the world, one thing that's helped me even advise other people when they're trying to put together online courses, a lot of the most common first barrier is, oh, I don't really... I'm not the best at this in the world. I'm not the best, so I'm not qualified to teach anyone else. But the reality is that you will most probably have some value to add to someone that is earlier in their journey. You don't have to be the peak world expert at something to teach someone else something. If you've got experiences, Reese, in street art as well as how to connect that with a corporate world and right so we've had
3: this conversation before he tried to talk me into running a course <laughs> <Do you> know, <laughs> you know oh, i, yeah, I totally guy. forgot
0: about <laughs> it I'm no i'm yeah, I'm bringing it back how <laughs> <Reece's it>.
2: <laughs> oh, i know what this is
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i actually completely forgot about it but thank you for bringing it back up you're going to do a course no yes
2: caleb can i yeah, of build on that to say yeah. yes and i think in fact Not only do you not need to be the best at something to have value to add in that space, Mm -hmm. but so this was probably eight years ago before I left Cape Town. I did a yoga teacher training, not ever to teach, but just to learn more deep in the practice, whatever. But I I remember very much feeling like an imposter in that space. I was always like the weird arty kid at school. I was never anywhere near anything that involved like sports or anything like that. And you're there learning in a space of people who are athletes, really, who use their bodies professionally. And I remember at some point, the person training us said, the best yoga teachers are not the people who are naturally athletic. Because often when someone is naturally good at something, they're the worst teacher. Like they never had Mm. to learn. Like the best teacher is someone who found that thing incredibly hard because they're going to be completely equipped to meet you where you are and understand and explain things that the natural will find so intuitive that they don't even have language for it. So sometimes that can be a strength and linking it to our work as well. That conversation we were saying in the beginning, it's like, what are these art kids doing on the 30th floor of Deloitte or whatever in town? It's like, no, like our job is not to get their business. Mm-hmm. Our job is to be the baby in the room. The job is distilling all this content. So actually, the thing that I used to feel insecure about, I'm like, God, I know nothing about business. What could I possibly have to add? Is my job is to take this thing and require you to distill it down to a point at which I can draw it. It's not. That's not a fault in the system. Mm-hmm. That's the strength of
0: yeah, the, the value.
2: Thing. Yeah. yeah,
0: I love that. All right, we've got a few more minutes left before I really want to get to some audience because I can see all of your brains just... Buzzing. Uh, I want to I <laughs> unleash the thoughts. All right, Jessamy, and Matt, another amazing question. How do you define or measure success?
3: Who wants to take a stab at that? Where do we start? That's oh. a, such a tricky one. How do you measure success?
2: I read that this morning in the car and I was furious. And <laughs> sorry. I was like, guys. it's such a hard, like, it's one of those questions. Yeah. I feel like it's like people throw it around like a platitude. Oh, yes. When you're self-reflecting, define it. But no one actually try say out loud what you think success is. It's incredibly difficult. I had some thoughts. Okay. I'm Given it was yeah. My, yeah, my dick
4: Come question, on. I'll okay. answer it. And I think this changes all the time. But I think for me, it sits somewhere in having choice, I think, maybe for me. If I can wake up in the morning, if I can choose the kind of clients that I want to work with, if I can choose who I get to spend my time with, if I can choose to just cuddle my dogs on the couch for an extra hour in the morning because I don't have the energy to do it, I feel like that is probably a pretty good marker of success.
0: You have done some thinking. (laughs) That's excellent. (laughs) Yeah, look, I love that because especially one thing that people in Business and entrepreneurs struggle with at the start of their business is they have to say yes all the time. Yeah. And that can be a little bit of a prison because they need to bring the money in. Yeah. They just need to. And they don't know, they haven't experienced the nightmare situations that inform their red flags when they're talking to potential new clients. Or maybe they have and they just can't afford to say no or yeah. they can't afford to dictate the process as much because they have to do the work. And they're comes a point, and it came a point in, in, I know, in my building, in my business, that we were actually able to change that story into people come to us to solve problems, and we're good at solving them, and we don't need to say yes to everyone. Thank the Lord. I would say that is, I resonate with that explanation of success, is that we get to choose in, in business to an extent who we do work with and who we don't work with, but also how that looks. As you say, I think that does extend to everywhere else in your life. If you have the ability to decide what you're gonna do each day, feels like success to me. What do you think, Reese?
3: Thanks for, you could see that I had a little spark, couldn't you? Yeah, I I could feel it. I could hear it. I think I would love it if I could say success was like enjoying the process more. So Mm -hmm. rather than it being about an outcome that's like success, tick. It's like just loving it from start to finish. And then it's like you celebrate at the end, but it's not like a huge build up to then a success. It's like success in life is maybe just enjoying the process and all of the moments that it has to bring. I think. You know would nice that. To, but that's only on reflection now, listening to people. Good. I'm like, oh, That would be nice yeah. to embed that a little bit more as the meaning of success to me is appreciating all of the moments that come with it. You know what? This
0: is rev- quite revealing of people's
3: personalities, I think. It just reminded me, you saying that,
0: reminded me of I love personality profiles and things. And it helps me understand people. You're
4: in the right crowd here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But one marker of success for I think you and I is enjoyment if, so, if yeah. it's not fun it's not worth doing and that's not the same for everyone they need some people need the marker of success might be doing something right or winning <laughs> or sure. doing yeah. yes, so yeah. and that's totally valid that's not how dare you <laughs> yeah but for me and it sounds like for you too Reece, that we need to have fun and that is definitely plays into a marker of success for sure
4: the last guest that we had on our podcast has fun in his contract for his staff. <laughs> but it, ha- it has to be fun is an item on the, their oh, contract.
2: <laughs> so Contractual so fun. Cool.
4: Yeah, it's that's great. Good. It's really cool. And yes, that's the thing that I think for me, Joy, is at the heart of everything I mm. do. But enjoying the process, I think, is such a good point because it, ne- like, it never ends, does it? Like, I don't know how often I've been guilty of saying, I just need to get through this week, this project, this whatever but there's a guess what there's another fucking week after this week the weeks go on forever so if that's what you're doing then you're wishing your life away mm. and that's not cool yeah. wow no
0: way
2: yeah those are all yeah my head is spinning and i'm also just trying to absorb those answers and i yeah i agree wholeheartedly when i was thinking about this I was my first almost knee-jerk reaction is oh, some kind of Like, oh, to be happy, right? That feels like a good and worthy goal. But then I was unpacking that and it's a really, it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but it's not because Mm -hmm. there's your overall kind of blanket happiness level in your life or kind of sense of of joy or peace. But then there's like moment-to-moment stuff. And I'm perfectly happy to, sometimes you're working on a job that you love and is giving you meaning as really shit in Mm -hmm. the moment, Mm -hmm. but it's still making you happy. Like it's still it might not be sustainable you might not always want to live in that moment of stress but it feels good and meaningful and there's something in that growth or challenge so it's not quite as simple as that so yeah it's your process point Reese, I think it is it's finding meaning in that process and a healthy relationship to that process and I think for me and I don't quite know how to word this but there's also something in the idea of success I feel like if life was like an orange or something and you were just gonna squeeze all the juice out of it that there's something in there I feel like at the end of all of this to know that it's not about the it's not about the achievement but it's that I lived my Alice-ness and that you lived your Caleb-ness or your jasmine or your recent like that whatever it was for you to have done that I can hand on my heart say that I like did mm. that thing you were you yeah like not yeah i mean it's, no. it sounds so cheesy to say no, but i'm like good. yeah that for me would be success because yeah. me being warren buffett and running a fortune 500 company and being a billionaire would not be a successful alice that's yeah.
0: full circle back to self-awareness like what you need to know what your thing is what your uniqueness mm-hmm. is and what fulfills you in the process what and then you know through that. We'll be somewhere close to success,
3: I'd say. I think that's a great comment and statement to wrap up on and throw to the crowd because we've got about 10 minutes left and I was thinking like maybe people have questions or they have comments about any of the, not necessarily a question, but maybe something to add about any of the questions that have come up. So does anyone want to like chip in, have a question? Release your buzzing (laughs) (laughs) thoughts. Release them. Great, thank you. That was a great conversation. My, I don't know if it's a question or a comment, I haven't really fully formed it yet, but it's around that um, concept of success for you guys being around, enjoying something. And I'm wondering if any of you have experienced the, maybe earlier in your careers where you think, I really love doing this creative practice and I'd love to do this for a career or you know as a way to earn income and then had to overcome a feeling of um, now that I'm starting to charge money for this all the joy seems to be going out so <laughs> and then how do you get how do you get over that so that you continue to enjoy it
0: That is so good and I can see we all relate to it at this table. One quick story is when Levi and I started the business, we just had fun making videos. And one time we went down to Melbourne and we just made three videos of me on a pogo stick in the middle of the road
5: <laughs> <night>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was super fun and we cut it together into some random songs and they were hilarious and that was fulfilling but i <laughs> totally later on we were making videos every day all day and the last thing i wanted to do on the weekend or when i got home was make a video
5: yeah
0: i didn't want to do that i would just been doing it for everyone else and i had no more energy left to do it for myself That's a good question i've only got that
3: (laughs) (laughs) i I think it's a bit of a pivot like i started off as a graphic designer thinking i wanted to draw every day and be the pixel pusher but it turns out i wanted to make things happen you sort maybe you get a bit of more of a realization and in-depth idea of what it actually is that makes you tick like it Mm -hmm. it evolves Mm -hmm. and changes and i don't know if it ever stays the same or is Mm -hmm. a stagnant kind of thing that it definitely can change and evolve And so for me, it was like realizing that, which can be hard and challenging, and then taking steps to adapt and find yourself more in the place, which kind of opened me up to maybe do more of my own artwork. If I'm not the one doing the art as a job, it it opened me up to enjoy that, but still find like meaning in the work that I was doing as more of a producer, project manager kind of role, still helping creative things happen. That's my personal experience with
4: it I think it changes a bit over time and I'm it, although Alice and I do very similar work I think we come at it from quite different places so people often ask, like oh do you ever do your own arts practice anymore the honest truth to that is I never did I like to draw and I'm good at drawing but for me it's not an expression of my heart I like to express myself through fashion and through dance but it's not like the drawing for me is a craft and it's a service it's not the expression so I love doing it But for me, I was just lucky that I could find a way to make it a service. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be doing it in this way. And a bit like what you said earlier about making the transition from a creative to a creative business owner or a creative entrepreneur. What I wasn't expecting, like at the start, and I'm like, I just want to draw the pictures and I want to do all the invoicing and the business stuff and the marketing. Now I've flipped and I have a a contractor network and I actually get really creatively inspired by the business side of things. So I think maybe holding things a little lightly and remaining open to how else your creativity might manifest itself. But I know that your experience, Alice, has been a little different than that.
2: Yeah, we come at the same job from very different backgrounds and also dispositions as well. Something, and I don't know how this is going to say when I say it out loud, but I've gone through waves of that many times over the years. And something that I've found very helpful is also like releasing myself from the obligation to always enjoy it. Because sometimes I found that I got into it because I love drawing and there have been fa- years at a time. They were like three years where I was just like I hate this there was not a single piece of paper in my house where I doodled anything if it was someone's birthday I wouldn't even draw on their card it was so dead to me and I never thought it would come back and I was like I've murdered that but it's my career (laughs) it's too late it's dead whatever I guess it's my job now fine and I'll find other pursuits that I find fulfilling and almost letting go of needing like it will change right like your relation to your craft is I think always going to change and it's like it's okay for it to not be the same and I've found it again recently like at the moment I'm like loving drawing in a way that I haven't for years but I think it's because I took that pressure off myself and then another thing that I've also found with that stuff specifically with with drawing and illustration which I have a very love-hate relationship with I'm very lucky it's my career but we have a complex relationship (laughs) is also sometimes to lean into it and I like double down into it so I'm like the thing that I don't want to do I'm like, maybe it's because I'm not feeling pushed or challenged. So it's like I draw every day. I have a stockpile of images that I like whip out for most jobs and I feel really safe with. So I'm like, what if I actively look at where is the work that I can't do? Who's doing work that I think is super cool right now that's out of my league? And then the playing in that, like pushing yourself to play out of your league again. It like sharpens you up straight away and then you're like, oh, yeah, I do love this. This is real good. Mm. I don't know if that's helpful.
3: That's, cool. that's very cool. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Dave. Anyone else? Andre, our number one Country Creators
5: Podcast <laughs> fan. Thank you, Andre. Hey, um, I Just just a comment about imposter syndrome is that it's interest, interesting to me that a lot of very famous artists or very, very successful artists, whether it's visual art or rock stars, they still sometimes question uh, themselves and their, and their ability. And I think as creatives, I think we are predisposed to sometimes question Uh, what we're doing and um, if we're good enough but I remember uh, at one of my exhibitions I had it was very successful a friend of mine said to me mate if you ever doubt yourself just remember the success of, of this exhibition so if you can look at what you've done and you've had success in your in your life and in your career you can always use that as a as a backup to remind you that you are good enough and um yeah I remember Robbie Williams, the famous rock star, took a year off touring. He was selling out stadiums, but he he thought he was no good and he, he couldn't tour for a while. So that's just a comment on the imposter syndrome. It's
3: actually a really great answer, isn't it? That's excellent. I'm remembering back to when you nailed it because yeah. those thoughts can be fleeting, can't they, those memories? It's the concept of the
0: cookie jar that, if anyone's read, like, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. He plays in the mental toughness and physical endurance space, but he... It describes this concept of putting your past milestones and successes in a cookie jar that when you're in the moment of it being really hard, you can pull, you can draw from that cookie jar and go, oh, that's right. I did experience success here, here and here. And that fuels you to go forward. And I think it's pretty similar to what you're you're saying, Andre, and that the fact that you're using that exhibition as a marker to remind yourself that, no, I actually have done something great before. I have experienced some Success before, so when it's hard now, it can help me push me further, push me on. It's cool. It's a awesome. like it.
2: Can I make one last comment? Just, just because it's just like I can't. I keep thinking of this now that we've chatted about it. Is just the fact of also remembering like how completely universal this feeling is. Yeah. And like I think that because even while we were driving here this morning, I was thinking about it and I was like. Over the course of the last year, we've been doing this podcast and just the complete appetite that there is out there for people wanting to talk about this thing called imposter syndrome and how heartbreaking and also hilarious it is that it's like everyone is feeling the feeling of feeling like they don't belong. But if everyone's feeling the thing, then it automatically connects you with everyone. And it's actually this deeply human thing. It's, It's like you're the opposite of being an imposter. It's kind of part of it. And I literally worked at a corporate event the other day where it was like business mentors and these kind of like young businessy folks in their suits looking so fancy and whatever and that was the predominant thing that came out of their meeting the major thing holding these kind of MBA graduates back is exactly the same thing that we talk about in these more yeah. kind of creative circles I'm like oh everyone's just making it up guys it's okay <laughs> sometimes just saying it out loud is mm-hmm. the thing yeah that's it and I think the more we can have
4: these conversations about what our lives actually look like, the fears and doubts and failures and successes that we have. Like one of our first ever guests, a poet called Alice Allen said, if we don't share with each other what our lives actually look like, then we're just playing on hard mode forever because we're comparing ourselves to something that simply doesn't exist.
0: Wow,
3: that's amazing. And um, I think that's a great moment to wrap up thank you to our live audience today to our guest the imposter Sin thank uh- you
2: country creatives yes <laughs> thanks, thanks so thank much you, for
3: amy. having us <laughs> yeah shout out to amy <laughs> for organizing this coming together of podcasts yeah thank you so much here at for table. making me sound good at the end <laughs> of it as well <laughs>
1: have been listening to the Country Creatives podcast with Caleb Maxwell and Reese Hendy our special guests today were Jessamy G and Alice Eady from the Imposter Syndrome Club podcast. You can find both of these amazing podcasts via your favourite podcasting platform. For Country Creatives' past episodes, please go and visit Emporium Creative Hub.com.au slash podcast. You'll find all of our past episodes and you'll also find links to the Imposter Syndrome Club podcast and also the website. Sites and other links for Jessamy and Alice, if you want to delve further into their amazing graphic recording. In the meantime, if you have been enjoying the podcast, we would love it if you would jump on and give us a rating, uh, leave some comments or share the podcast with a creative friend. Until next time when we have another episode dropping in two weeks' time, we hope you stay really, really happy, healthy and ultra-creating. We'll see you soon.